ESG, SRI, BRI, faith-based investing. These are all terms gaining momentum in the values-based investing sphere. But how do you sort through the alphabet soup of values-based investing? Today, we're talking to Jason Meyer, the Director of Advocacy at Eventide Asset Management, about differentiating these terms and learning how to wisely apply them to your portfolio. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Faith-Based Investing with Guidestone Funds. I'm your host, Will Laughlin. Jason, welcome to the show. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, Jason, I know you and I have spent a lot of time in this industry, so we've seen a lot of things change, and we've seen the growth of this space. And within values-based investing, there are a lot of terms that are often thrown around. You know, ESG, SRI, BRI, faith-based investing, and impact investing, just to name a few. But these things aren't interchangeable. And I think that's a mistake I'm seeing more and more today as the popularity of this space continues to rise. Uh, One example that I saw recently was an investment consulting shop, and they had a really strong background in ESG investing. And they were pitching to a really large Christian institutional investor. Um, They had about a billion dollar portfolio. And they felt like their first presentation kind of missed the mark. So one of the individuals uh, at this firm, I'd known for a pretty good amount of time, and they came to me and a few others at Guidestone, and they asked us to help unpack the real issues that mattered to the Christian investor. One of the things that we're really able to dial in on from a critical issue standpoint was the sanctity of life, and this helped them hone their message down. They ultimately won the business. Once they drilled down to what was the right issue within that broader values-based landscape, And I feel like that was something that isn't an exclusive issue. I'm starting to see that more and more. Is that something you've encountered on your side of things? Oh, absolutely, for sure. And I guess the first thing I'd say here is that socially responsible investing or SRI or values-based investing, whatever your umbrella term you want to describe, is a very heterogeneous movement. And there are many different value sets in play. And so I think it's important to understand the values behind the terms to know if a particular socially responsible investment is right for you or for your client. In the story you shared, for example, the client's values were rooted in the Christian faith where sanctity of life was the important value to consider in the investment mandate. The problem comes, of course, when trying to make sense of the myriad terms that now exist in the space. And when exploring values-based investing, one finds, as the title of the episode says, a veritable alphabet soup of acronyms and confusing terminology that I think can stymie a lot of sincere attempts to invest with a values compass. Um, Just to give you a little example here, the Department of Labor, who's responsible for setting all the rules around retirement investing today, they had this to say about values-based investing. They said various terms have been used to describe it, such as socially responsible investing, sustainable and responsible investing, environmental, social, and governance, or ESG investing, impact investing, and then they even threw in their own new term into the mix. And they go on to say, the terms do not have uniform meaning and the terminology is evolving. (laughs) So descriptions like these end up sounding to me a whole lot like good luck. And, you know, if you even just take the most simple acronym, SRI, it began by meaning socially responsible investing. And then it was revised to mean sustainable and responsible investing, and then revised again to mean sustainable, responsible, and impact investing. So how are we supposed to make sense of all this terminology? I think it confuses a lot of people. After even this like most basic 
and cursory survey of the space, I think it's easy to see why many values-driven people simply throw up their hands and resign themselves to just using traditional investments to save for the future. Yeah, I, I think that's right. One of the, the critical things I've seen, too, as far as it, it being uh, a hindrance uh, to people getting into this space, right? Everybody wants to focus on on trying to make things easier on investors. So maybe as we think about that, what are some ways that we can make it easier uh, on investors and advisors to get more people to really commit to investing on their values? Sure, sure. And yeah, I, I just want to say, you know, before maybe answering that, that I, I get feeling overwhelmed, but I also want to say this, this is totally worth persevering for those that are listening in today. I just want to affirm your desire to invest with your values. You know, our values are rooted in our deep beliefs about who we are, about what this life is all about. And as such, they are worth protecting at all costs. And I do think there are some ways that can that can help make sense of this space for those that are just starting out. And the best place for me is, is I like to help people understand really what's happening in investing and really what investing is. I think there's a lot of confusion just about investing in general. So behind all of the sophistication that we typically think about, all the charts and the facts and the figures, the ticker symbols and what have you, investing is simply company ownership. You can think of a stock as just a certificate of ownership in a company. When you buy the stock of a company, you'll be like a 0.001% owner of that company. And mutual funds and exchange-traded funds, these are just investment products that package together many stocks. So if you, if you own one of these investment products, you'll be the owner of many companies. Now, I, I say this because seeing investing as ownership should cause us to just pause and think, well, man, what are the companies that I own here? Do I believe in what these companies stand for? Do these companies reflect me, my values, and the things that I hold dear? I think when we see investing as ownership, we can start to see how the values apply. So when you own something, you probably have a strong desire for it to match your values. Are there certain companies out there that you may not want to own because the product or service does not align with your values. And on the flip side, are there companies out there doing something that you're really excited about, that you would feel proud to own and proud to engage in? If people can view investing as truly owning companies, I think it would be much easier for them to see how their values come into play in their investment decision-making. Now, Jason, I couldn't agree more with you on that. So, you know, maybe let's dive a little bit further into a list of terms. Uh, about investing, you know, the, the alphabet soup and, and all the acronyms that, that that brings to the table. You know, what's the best course of action for an investor to pick a term that best reflects their values um, and, and maybe invest in that way? Sure. Yeah. So just the one word of caution there, just as we said, the terms are evolving. And so you just need to, to put an asterisk on that and to pay close attention. And often I find the terms can sound a whole lot like what you want, but if you investigate further, you can actually find that they can be a mismatch for your, for your values. I'll give you um, an example that uh, I found out for myself. The, there's a, a, one of the popular terms today is ESG investing, which stands for environmental, social, and governance investing, which sounds great. It's really focused on a company though that is making itself more sustainable 
and not necessarily uh, taking into consideration the product or service that the company is offering. So to test this out, I used an ESG investing framework for my values. I looked up a couple of companies and the ESG scores that were coming out of a data provider. One of the companies was counter-aligned with my values. It was a major tobacco company. And the other company was well-aligned with my values. It was a biotech company working to cure a certain type of lung cancer. But when I looked up the ESG scores of these two companies using one of the major ESG data providers, the major tobacco company had a score of like 67 out of 100. And the biotech company working to cure lung cancer had a score of like 43 out of 100, as I recall. And so if I were to simply follow the ESG scoring methodology out of the box, I would end up cho choosing the tobacco company, which causes lung cancer, rather than the company working to eradicate lung cancer. And so here's just one example of, unfortunately, many I could name of how something that initially sounds appealing can actually be counter-aligned with our values. So the terms may be able to, to guide us as a starting point, but we'll have to do our own research to see if the investments labeled under these terms are really the kind of companies that I want to own. So Jason, I think that's a, a great example of how ESG uh, and faith-based may not be that well aligned. And I know you and I love looking under the hood of these things and, and researching these topics is, is commonplace for what we're doing. What though would you recommend to someone who's a novice in this area as far as looking into investments that are going to align with their faith? Yeah, no, it's a really great question. And my illustration there wasn't to daunt you even further, but bringing it down to a practical level, here would be my advice for you. Every investment that's out there has an investment. It's called a prospectus. And the prospectus document, you can find it right on the website of, of any investment company uh, for any particular investment. It describes the investment mandate that the asset manager has to hold to when managing that product. And so it will say things like what the risks are of investing, what the investment objective is, for example, the goal is to outperform the S&P 500, whatever it might be. But for values-based investments, it will also have a values section. And I would just say, read that values section and say, is that me? So get past all the marketing literature that the company might have on their website, because all that stuff is gonna sound great. Jump to the prospectus, read the value section, and find an investment that when you read those values, it sounds like you. It, it's, it's like a, it should be like looking into a mirror and seeing yourself. You should see yourself reflected back. That's the most practical thing I could say to an individual investor wanting to examine this further. So once an individual investor looks into this and they get an understanding of what they want, we know a lot of these people are guided by financial advisors. Uh, how might this be an opportunity for an advisor to, to differentiate themselves or provide greater value to their clients. Right, right. So beyond just the value of feeling great every day and helping clients not only reach their financial goals, but to do so in ways that harmonize with their, their values, beliefs, and commitments, I think there are uh, three really uh, key benefits for the financial advisor in broaching these values conversations. They are, the first I would say, is they're going to forge emotional bonds with their clients that are very difficult to break. So they're going to be engaging with their clients on the things that the client holds dear, right? And these are deep conversations. These are heart level conversations. And so they're going to forge emotional bonds with their clients 
that are difficult to break and they'll be somewhat irreplaceable in the eyes of the clients. That's number one. Number two, I would say, is they can potentially create this referral engine. So at the heart of delighting customers is this desire that the customer is so delighted that they're going to go tell their friends and their family about it. And so by helping their client in unexpected ways, helping them to not only reach their financial goals, but to do so in ways that align with their values, this should delight the client in such, to such an extent that they may bring friends and family along as potential clients. And then the third way I would say is that advisors can charge what they're worth. There's this race in the industry to continue to slash fees. And it's because clients don't really see the value in the advice or the industry as a whole. But I think when, when clients are helped in this way, guided towards companies that create blessing and to avoid companies that cause harm, they're going to perceive a higher level of value in the financial advice they're receiving. And so advisors don't have to be as concerned about always trying to compete at the lowest possible price. They can actually uh, consider their service to be more valuable and to charge what they're worth. I know this can be uh, an intimidating topic for uh, a lot of advisors, a lot of investors, and I appreciate you walking through a lot of the content that can help people have these kind of discussions and um, bridge some of those understanding differences. So thank you again for joining me on the podcast, Jason. Absolutely. It's been my pleasure. Well, that concludes this episode of Faith-Based Investing with Guidestone Funds. If you have any questions about this topic or our podcast, feel free to email us at faithbasedinvesting at guidestonefunds.com. Investment considerations. Investing involves risk, including potential loss of principal. There can be no guarantee that any strategy, risk management or otherwise, will be successful. You should carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Guidestone funds before investing. A prospectus with this and other information about the funds may be obtained by calling 1-888-GS-FUNDS, 1-888-473-8637, or downloading one at guidestonefunds.com funds. It should be read carefully before investing. Guidestone Fund shares are distributed by Foresight Funds Distributors, LLC, not an advisor affiliate. Foresight is not a registered investment advisor and does not provide investment advice.